And welcome to Crash Chords Autographs. Today we're joined by Jose, lead singer of the band Three Years Hollow. With Matt, Jose discusses his 2014 LP The Cracks, which was spotted by Matt in a Crash Chords article last year. Growing up mostly with top 40 hits, Jose's singing talent dates back from childhood before burgeoning out into the heavy rock scene. Matt and Jose chat about their mutual love for heavy rock acts of the late 90s and early 2000s, and how those very bands shaped Jose's current style and sound. Hear about his touring life, the band's next record, and finally an upcoming tour with Soil and Powerman 5000, whose lead singers can be found in earlier Autographs episodes. So without further ado, here's Matt Storm and Jose of Three Years Hollow. Hey Jose, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat with me today for the podcast. Yeah, no problem man, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Um, I I wish we could have gotten it right the first time. For the listeners who will be listening to this when I post it, um, I had spoken to Jose when I wrote an article for Broken Records Magazine about their album, The Crack, uh, when it was first released. Uh, unfortunately, I was using an Android phone at the time, and it crashed mid-interview, corrupting the file and losing the interview. So I was able to write the article after chatting briefly, but we lost that full interview. So we're going to give it another try. I'm on an iPhone this time, so hopefully no problems. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a slight Apple endorsement. <laughs> slight. Just a minor. Don't screw up my interviews for my podcast. Um, so it's good to get to chat with you again. Um, I have, in the time since we spoke last, truly gotten to know the record, The Cracks, very well, and I quite enjoy it. Um, Crimson Ride is actually my favorite track on the record. Um, I imagine you guys are still touring on that record, yes? You haven't put out anything since, have you? Uh, no, that is uh, that is the record. It's actually called Chemical Ride. <laughs> oh, chemi- Chemical Ride. I'm sorry, not Crimson Ride. Chemical Ride. My apologies. My um, uh, my uh, brain fart on my part. But yeah, um, um, Chemical Ride is, but, uh, is, is my favorite track on the record because it's got that punch that reminds me of all the mid-2000 metal bands that I used to listen to. Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that song right now is actually the single that we're pushing uh, to radio. It's uh, been slowly climbing up, and I think we're about to... Uh, give it a real big push, so it, it's kind of, that song is, is an older song, we, we uh, worked on it for our, the EP that we originally released mm-hmm. uh, back in 2012, so it's been sitting there for a while, but uh, the fans just kind of built that song up to be this kind of giant on its own, so we we wanted to try to get it out to the rest of the world. That's that's incredible, and uh, I mean, it's it's a very solid record. It's it's definitely you guys are are curating and mastering a sound that exists for, existed for a while, but you're doing something unique with it. You know, the the style of new metal, I guess you can call it, or metal in general, has evolved so much over the last couple of decades, and a lot of the bands that yeah. were out back in the mid 2000s kind of fell off. I, although I hear Breaking Benjamin is actually coming back, a lot of those big bands have kind of moved to other genres or kind of fallen out. So it's nice to hear that sound again. Yeah, for me, man, I feel like uh, I always tried writing music that I love because my favorite bands were Chevelle and Tool, Perfect Circle, Breaking sure. Benjamin, Seven Dust, Disturbed. 
all those bands. So uh, I think our music ends up coming out in a little bit of mixture of all of that combined, um, which is pretty cool. And so um, has metal always been the main type of music that you listened to growing up? Was that what you were always into is the heavier stuff? Actually, no, man. I mean, truthfully, I'm a product of top 40 pop radio. Whatever was playing on the radio on Casey Kasem's top 40 during, you know, oh, wow. during the week, I mean, that's what was blasting through our house when I was growing up. So the first taste of music I got when I'm five years old is, you know, like the kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so I grew up, you know, uh, listening to a lot of Michael Jackson, which, I mean, that's good stuff. Uh, Boys to Men. Uh, it was stuff like that, honestly. And I didn't hear metal and rock until um, I was in junior high. And uh, I heard Creed, and I heard Godsmack's first record, and I heard Seven Dust's record. And uh, that changed everything, you know. From those records on, I pretty much just lived and breathed every single band that came out. And, uh, you know, that's what I knew I wanted to do. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned other bands that I forgot to mention earlier that I also absolutely love. Like Seven Dust is one of those bands that I grew up, listening to. I remember the first time I heard on K-Rock, which is a New York radio station, I heard Bitch by Seven Dust. Yeah. I'm just like, what is this? Like, this is not Metallica. This isn't Megadeth. Yeah. I like it, though. What is this? And, like, it took me actually, because back then you couldn't just Google a song title. Like, it was exactly. so much harder to find stuff. I had to wait till I heard it on the radio again, and luckily a, a DJ came on right after and said who it was, and I went out and bought the album the next day because you had to wait till the next day because you couldn't just go online and get it. Yeah. I mean, I found these records by somebody handing them to me. I mean, <laughs> that's literally how how I discovered these bands. My friend being like, hey, man, check this record out. It's called yeah. Seven Dust. And it's crazy to think that, uh, you know, we went on to produce a record and, and how, you know, close I, I got to be with those guys is pretty amazing. That's That's pretty awesome. So you said that you got into to the heavier stuff back in junior high school. Is that when you first started uh, singing and, and writing rock music too, or did that come later? Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, I actually started in high school uh, actually performing, but I had sang my whole life. Um, even being around that top 40 stuff, I just had a slightly different singing voice. You know, I was, I was in choir and, uh, you know, growing up in grade school and junior high, and then when when the rock stuff hit, um, I started experience you know dabbling in little bands on and everything like that, and uh, started singing a little more aggressive. But it wasn't until I met Tony, our guitar player, um, when I was a senior in high school, just right after I graduated high school, and I was young, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do or how to use my voice. And Tony had been around the scene for a little while, so. I didn't really craft my my rock voice, you know, until over the next four years, kind of working with him and, and putting together what would eventually become Through Your Solo. Awesome. And so I also remember in the article I wrote that there was a little bit of an interesting story behind the band's name, Through Your Solo, and that that wasn't actually your original name when you guys formed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we uh, we put out a record, Tony and I, with uh, three other members, um, or two other members, I'm sorry, um, Solo. 
And uh, in the, the band Hollow for three years, we started getting some attention, and uh, we were talking to a, a label, and they pretty much told us that we could use that name because another band had it. So we had built up a little bit of a, a local scene, which was kind of hard to do, and we didn't want to lose that association. So we just decided to add to the story, and uh, we've been hollow for three years, so we became three years hollow. Nice, that's awesome. It's 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 funny how now also it's kind of. I feel like sometimes there are a lot of bands with similar names because you're kind of uh-huh. running out of permutation. Yeah. So it's a problem I find that people run into more and more, but it's it's great that you guys were able to kind of keep the the main part of the name and just add to it and kind of build a story around it. Which, yeah, which gives sure. it gives it like kind of a lore almost. We, we didn't even really think anything of it. Like, was it just terrible? Was it a, a bad idea? As, over the years, as, as we've told people the story, um, we've grown to appreciate it. You know, it's part of the journey that we took. So, uh, people seem to like the story. So. Awesome. Um, so we were talking a little bit before about how you started the rock singing in high school and that you kind of grew up always singing and kind of sort of find your voice then. Yeah. Is there a specific singer you would credit with your biggest influence for your style of singing? Um, I would have to say that it would be kind of a, an equal tie between a few singers. Um, i got to give staff credit for being one of the first singers that I kind of really was able to emulate a little bit, which kind of got me but when the, I discovered Seven Dust. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty much the genre from that point on. And uh, David Draymond, when uh, I heard Disturbed for the first time, my voice kind of took on that style. Um, so I would I'd have to say the genre, Draymond, staff, and uh, uh Maynard from Tool, those guys are where I took, uh, you know, most of my style from. It's And it's funny that you mentioned those names because I for sure hear them in your style because I find it interesting that depending on whether you're belting or you're speaking or you're singing low or higher, you kind of hear a little of these different singers, you know? You kind of made yeah. it your own voice by melding these together, which I always found very fascinating, especially about heavy rock and new metal singing that you can do kind of anything like back in the day as much as i love metallica those early records were mostly just a lot of screaming and not a lot of range and and how now the way rock music has evolved you you expect dynamics in a singer and it's impressive when they have them um is there any part of of your voice or the dynamics that you create that was difficult did you have to kind of learn to to deliver the heavier singing, since you said you grew up kind of listening to Top 40, when you were learning this voice, was it a struggle to kind of find that that middle ground? Yeah, yeah, it's funny that you say that. Tony would laugh, and he would tell the story, because he was fun to me, and I can't use that I sang. I was just, I was really boyish, and and, uh, I really can't even say it to expound, but, um, Learning how to just, you know, I never had any lessons. I never had any formal music training whatsoever. So it took a little while to figure out if, how, you know, when I was singing wrong, when I was pushing wrong. I mean, it, it, I literally evolved over the course of years for me to get to 
the point where I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm comfortable with the sound of my voice and I'm comfortable with what I can do. And um, I would say just a couple of years ago when we went on tour for the first time, that opened my eyes even more to just how many amazing vocalists there are out there and how, to me, that just it makes me want to take care of myself better and get better and perform live better and uh, it's you know it's cool that to to be out there and, and see these guys live and get a fan side stage and kind of to see what they do. It's a pretty cool thing. Nice. Do you have like tricks of the trade to keep your voice healthy, like hot tea or that kind of stuff? Uh, my particular situation is uh, I can't have a lot of foods because I've got uh, a little bit of an acid reflux issue. So, mm-hmm. Um. I can't have spicy foods, tomato-based foods, uh, uh, greasy foods. <laughs> I can't eat two hours before I go on stage or two hours before I go to bed. Uh, if I follow all of those rules, then I can pretty much perform every day. But if I break them one time, uh, my voice kind of, uh, yeah, you can tell. <laughs> wow. Well, I guess you got you know you you got all this talent. They're not going to make it easy for you, right? Somewhere along yeah, the line in nature, so. <laughs> they got to make it at least a little bit of a challenge. Um, I actually know a bit about that. I, my uh, wife is a singer and an actress, and she's told me a lot about how her diet's changed over the years. The more that she relies on her voice, there's certain things yeah. you can't eat depending on your diet. I think it's it's interesting how dependent you become on that when it becomes your main source of income, you know, it's where yeah. you make your money. You have to treat it like any other piece of equipment. Yeah. You pretty much, when you're a touring musician, you sort of treat your body like you're a pro athlete. I mean, you have to keep it in top condition, even if it's just your vocal cords, you know, everything right. is affected. So um, we were talking earlier about, um, the cracks um, and uh, how much I enjoyed both the instrumentation and the music of the album as well as the lyrics and the vocals. When you guys are working on a record or writing, do you put the, the music together first and then kind of add the vocals after, or do you kind of come up with the story, decide on the vocals, the singing, the lyrics, and then put music behind it? Uh, our process is pretty pretty much Tony and I will write the music or we'll uh we'll get together and we'll have a riff idea or um it very rarely starts with a vocal melody. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually usually it always comes with a guitar riff or, or a a beat and a part of a song and then we do this thing called uh cavemanning. I don't it's something that Clint says from seven minutes all the time when we get up to the microphone and we just Sing made-up words, trying to come up with a melody for a you know a new piece of music, and mm-hmm. we pretty that's pretty much what we do. You know, the music will be recorded, and we'll uh, we'll put it on a loop, and I'll try to come up with a melody that I think is is strong. And after we have a nice melody, then Tony and I will sit down, and we'll be like. Okay, you know, what do we want to write, write about? You know, what are we feeling right now? If, if sometimes I'm feeling something particularly strong and I'll start going somewhere with it, and then, you know, he'll help fill it in, or, you know, vice versa, he'll have a, a song, I, you know, lyric idea that he brings, and we'll use one part of it 
and then we'll kind of together, you know, piece everything else around it. So uh, we pretty much write, write demos and uh, write the ideas, and we take it to the band, and we kind of put it all together as a group. Awesome. And are you guys currently working on a new record? I know The Cracks has been out for over a year now, no? Yeah, it came out February 11th, so it's been out in about a year and a half. Um, and uh, we were just hearing some chatter that we possibly will be going in to officially record uh, in, late this year, you know, possibly December. Um, so we could have a new record out at the beginning of next year. Very cool. And so I'm guessing a lot of that stuff is written already, stuff you've been working on. Do you find yourself always kind of constantly working on music, or do you kind of work on it for a period and then take a break? Uh, there's definitely breaks. Um, when we go on, on the road after a brief period at home or a long period at home, uh, it takes a little bit to get settled into the road, so we usually stop writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that happened after this last tour that we did with Red um, we went out on the tour, and it was an amazing tour. The tour was so incredible. The guys from Red were awesome. The, the crowds every night were unbelievable. And But we just had the worst luck with our transportation. You know, tires were blowing, and then the motorhome engine blew up. And we uh, we rented a van. So, you know, every bit of the good was canceled out by, by you know, nonstop stress. And I came home from the tour, and for the first few days, I was like, why, why, you know, why do I do this? Like, what is, what, I had almost forgotten, you know, the feeling of what made me enjoy this. So I sat down and I, I picked up my guitar for the first time and I think what had been two months and I wrote a song. And immediately I was I was sucked back into that, like, oh, man, you know, this is why I do it, this feeling of creating something new and, and creating a song that people who are fans of our music previously are, are probably excited to hear. And all of that kind of got me re, you know, rejuvenated and into the writing mode. So me and Tony wrote, I think, maybe 16 songs already wow. uh, in, the la- in the last two months. And, and uh we haven't really been keeping track. We're, we're just going to keep going and, and keep riding until, you know, we're ready to go into the studio, and then we'll just pick which ones we want to put out. We want to put out a longer record this time. We don't want to do a 10-song a CD. We want to do a 12 to 14, uh, if not more. So. Wow, cool. Well, I mean, that also kind of breaks the mold for modern albums. I find that a lot of albums these days are somewhere between 8 and 10 tracks because of short attention spans and I yeah. miss I miss the rock albums of old where it would either be five songs but each of them was twenty minutes or yeah, like yeah. sixteen two minute to three minute songs, you know? And uh yeah. I don't I don't think the attention span for music is as short as people think it is, even though modern consumer culture is pretty short sighted. Feel like still the true fans of music. They want that long epic. They want those expansive songs. So I, I definitely they think there's a market for that. Do. Yeah. I've I've talked to so many people that feel the same way and I'm even one of them you know like I, we create the music and we realize what some of the rules can be but to me it's like I'd rather listen to the the four and a half minute song that takes you on a full journey that you know than the, the two minute and 57 second song that's just built for radio you know 
Um, my next question is about the, the title track, The Cracks, and the title of the album. Was that something where the album title came naturally after completing all the work, or did you? was there something special about writing that song, The Cracks, that made it the title track for you? Um, the, the title came uh, last, definitely. It was one of the final tracks that we wrote and recorded for the record. Um, we were down in St. Louis, and... It, it was kind of a group decision. It was me, Clint, and Morgan, and, and the guys from the band, and we were just talking about possible album titles. And for a long time, we were going to name the record Take the World because there was, there was a song called Take the World. And sure. we kind of had this motto, and our fans had started hashtagging everything Take the World because we were on this mission to, you know, kind of, you know blow up and, and, and get as big as, as we could. And... um when we got down to the final uh, selection process, there was just something about the the title, the cracks, and how it encompassed kind of all of the songs and all of the ideas and emotions that were on the record, um, whether it's being broken or, or repaired or slipping through the cracks or just there were so many different things that we could think of. So we were just, you know what, this makes sense. And uh, we went with it. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned before being on tour and kind of tour not always being perfect, the perfect situation for creativity. Um, but do you find yourself when you're on tour, you're looking for things to to kind of help you relax? Are there specific hobbies besides obviously writing music, listening to music that you kind of have that kind of are your go-to relaxation? Uh, you know, this last tour, what really got our heads uh, right sometimes was PlayStation. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, our, our our drummer Ryan, uh, he's a huge Madden fan, and he had his PS4. And pretty much any free time, we would uh, we'd be battling each other in a game of Madden, and uh, there was nothing that a game of Madden couldn't fix. <laughs> nice, that's excellent. Uh, yeah, I've been. Uh, I, I, oh, what was that? I was gonna say otherwise, man. Campgrounds. Whenever we get a, a day off, we could find a campground and go out and just cook out and relax and and uh, do our laundry or set up our Pro Tools rig, and, you know, on the bus and just write. Those days really help as well. Yeah, there's something about the outdoors and just kind of taking a minute for yourself. And not and it, in this modern society, it's, it's very infrequent that we sit down and do nothing. Like, do absolutely yeah. nothing. So when you can get that five minutes outdoors away from the tech and just kind of sit and, and let yep. yourself do nothing, I think that's what helps recharge the batteries best. Absolutely. Sometimes it's a little hard to turn off that that switch for me, but uh, on the road it's easy because there's really nothing else you can do, you know? You pretty much have to sit there and relax and take it in. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I find that if you don't, let yourself do that. That's when you can kind of lose it. You know, if you stay yep. back, you gotta let yourself breathe for a minute. Yep. Um, for a bit now, um, do you have any favorite live experience moments for me performing or after shows? Yeah. Um, something that stands out recently was just our, one of our recent tours with uh, Nonpoint and Gemini Syndrome. Um, Elias and the guys had me come up and uh, sing along with uh, them on their their single Breaking Skin um, 
which was pretty awesome. You know, I mean, it was it had never happened before. I guess it was one night where Elias didn't sing and they did instrumentals, and I went up there as a a guest vocalist and sang the whole song, and it was pretty cool. You know, being welcomed by those guys in that way, um, and you know, that moment will always stick out for me. Nice. There's something about also like a band accepting you almost as one of their own by letting them, letting you take the yeah. reins on one of their songs. Absolutely. I, I know what that feeling feels like to be on stage and know that you got to trust the people that are up there with you. So it, uh, it means a lot and says a lot for them to have me up there with them. Cool. Um, do you guys have plans to go back out on the road again, or are you going to kind of take it easy for a little bit and work on the record? We're uh, we're going out on the road with Power Man 5000 and Soil in uh, two weeks, I believe. Oh, off the road uh, June 22nd, and we're out for a month. And uh, we'll pretty much be going uh, East Coast and uh, staying in this general vicinity up to New York, Maine, down the coast, and uh, stuff like that. But uh, after that, I'm not sure. We'll probably do another tour, and then we'll we'll definitely take a break and really dive into the record we'll see what uh we'll see what the single does you know we're uh we're gonna give chemical ride a shot and uh and see what uh what happens i think i think that that's gonna bring you in a whole a whole other slew of audience members because it's it's just a powerful song that feels like it feels like a reemergence of all of that music we've been talking about before like it really does kind of embody that kind of kind of emotion and power, so I really think it's going to really kind of move that's, people to the music. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. I hope so. Um, and actually, uh, Power Man and Soil, I mean, those are two great bands that I'm a fan of as well, who were out at those times back in those days we were talking about. Um, the And some I've interviewed both Spider and Ryan on this show, and uh, they're really solid, awesome dudes. Just really love the music they make. They're very passionate yeah. about it. And I feel like to, to exist and thrive in the current state of music, the music industry, you really have to just love what you do. You can't, you can't just do it because you want a big paycheck because it's not, it can't even be about that anymore. It, it's, exactly. That it's weeded out. Honestly, it's kind of a great thing. It's weeded out all of those uh, bands and songs because there is no, you know, you know the payoff is, is, your own satisfaction and your fan satisfaction. You know, there is nothing else to do it for. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's the, it, it takes so much more work now to make headway. If you're not patient and, and, and passionate about it, you're not going to get anywhere because you're just going to give up. It's not going to be worth yeah. it to you. For sure. You see it all the time. It's sad, actually, uh, how many bands have fallen away uh, just in the last couple of years. Sure. Um did you have a while you were on the last the last couple of tours? Did you have a favorite location, a favorite place that you visited that you had not been before that you really dug? Oh man, I, we're fortunate enough to have been in all of the places that we played. Um, I think some of my favorite places to visit though are up in uh, in Maine because um, mm-hmm. we had never been there before, so it's still kind of new terrain for us and. Uh, um, Virginia Beach was something about that show that was amazing. So mm-hmm. really, <laughs> we're pretty. I know it sounds weird, but we're pretty much mind blown every day when we step <laughs> off of that bus and we we look at each other and we're like, we're here because of songs that we write. 
You know, yeah. we're here because of, of music. We get to do this because of that. So we never forget how awesome it is that we get to see all these places. That's good. I mean, you know, once you kind of get bored with traveling around, I mean, there's not much to it anymore, the touring. So the fact that you're <laughs> yeah. so enthralled by it is definitely a good thing. Is there is there like a dream location you'd love to tour to overseas somewhere, like a dream location you'd love to play? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Germany. we got to yes. go to Germany. We have to do South America because... There, we've just had these fans overseas that have found us online that have been with us since the beginning, and they 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 fight and pray for the day that we'll be able to get you know overseas. So I, I gotta say Germany, South America, or two, uh, where we hear that feedback from the most. Nice. Yeah, there's there's something about South America that's really into rock, especially modern rock. Now I have a friend who's in a band. Who's and the band is pretty much local to New York, but they have one record out. It's a, pro, a solid prog rock record. And they've got this huge, dense fan base just there. And I think yeah, it's just, yeah. they're, they're hungry for that kind of music because I don't think it was as accessible years ago as it is now. And I think they right. just hunger for that, that sound because it's so new yep. to them. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I can't wait to get over there, man. There's people that uh, really appreciate the music that, uh, you know, rock bands do. So that's definitely uh, what I'm looking forward to. So obviously you've probably not always had a full-time career as a rock singer. Um, what might be the worst day job you ever had leading up to not having to work a day job anymore? Uh, you know, I, I didn't have many jobs. I My first job was uh, as a maintenance guy at a, uh, a, a hotel when I was real young. Then I worked mm-hmm. at McDonald's uh, when I was in high school. And then right after that, I went to work for this mom-and-pop computer repair shop. And mm-hmm. uh, it was I pretty much, you know, ran the place, and I, I got to just work on computers all day. And then I went to work for John Deere doing computer support, which was another great job. And then nine years ago, uh, I started what would eventually be my, like, full-time career with a company called FIPA Filter. And mm-hmm. they sell uh, an advanced router and content filter to schools. And I've worked at that company for the last nine years. Oh, wow. So, I mean, I had a great job. I had pretty much what would have been my career for the rest of my life. And uh, um, that company pretty much supported me and still supports me on the, uh, you know, journey to the band with the band. So That's great. It's It's rare that, and art can, can just flourish while existing somewhere else. A lot of times it's like either or. It, it must be really great to have found something that allowed you to kind of build this this thing that you wanted and still kind of have somewhat of a safety net. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was at the company really early on when they were first building, and uh, I really appreciate the fact that they've, uh, they've helped me out. And um, we pretty much have learned that you have to find a way to make it work you know you're not going to be able to go out there and do it full time if you can't find a way to put things in order in the other areas of your life and uh you know we pretty much over the last couple years and really over the last six months have been really doing that so that we're in this thing for the long haul you know very cool um 
The the last thing I wanted to ask you as we start to wrap up, because I know you've got a, another call after this, um, is if you could offer, since you've obviously been doing the singing thing for a long time and you've been involved in this rock band, obviously, for a while now, too, is there any big piece of advice you'd give to someone who might be listening who's just starting out or trying to find that next step in a, in a band of any kind? What would your advice be? Um, you know, I try to impart as much knowledge on people as I can that are like up, up and coming young bands that ask my advice. And, uh, what I just tell them to do is go out and play these shows, go, you know, book, book yourself these shows and go out and meet these other bands and network with these other bands and really become part of the industry and, and network and communicate with these people. And, um, if your music is there, if the, if the songs are there and you've developed uh, something that people like, you know, eventually it will be heard by either the right person or the right amount of people, and it will all start to make sense. It kind of just happens naturally if, you know, if, if, if it's there, if you've got something that people enjoy. Um, so all I really tell them is to just, meet people, you know, shake their hands, find out uh, who they are, you know, and, and uh, that's one thing that we we struggled with in the beginning because we, uh, we were all really antisocial, shy uh, people, so we would go out and we wouldn't, we wouldn't really even know how to carry ourselves in these places, and I'm, I'm a super young guy, so we kind of got this um reputation like, you know, we thought we were too good for everybody because we were just kind of off to ourselves and keeping to ourselves. But, uh, you know, I wish looking back that I would have got out of my shell a little bit and really met these people and uh, became friends with all these guys who now, you know, I'm real close with. But we, we definitely wasted a lot of time. Um, sure. You know, so... I work with a lot of bands from around the area and I, I try to help them shortcut a lot of those mistakes and downfalls that we made uh, trying to figure things out on our own. So it's a different world for sure than, than when we started 10 years ago, you know. Sure. Hindsight will always be twenty twenty, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the last thing, I just want to give you an opportunity to promote. Uh, obviously, we talked earlier about how uh, Chemical Ride is the new single. Um, is there a music video out for it yet? There is. There's a music video that we put out originally when we released it, and uh, it's on YouTube, and we're going to be posting it to Facebook soon and, and resharing that kind of with everybody. So. Great. Excellent. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time, Jose. I'm glad that we were actually able to, you know, get the interview this time. Um, Definitely. It's, 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 it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, I, I'm looking forward to you guys coming through New York again. Hopefully I get to see you in person then. Um, but it's been a pleasure talking to you. You guys have a great sound, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds for, for Three Years Hollow, where the band grows and goes. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And, yeah, I hope we get to see you, man. That'd be awesome. All right. Take care of yourself, and thanks. Uh, all right, man. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.